Welcome everybody back to the Bone Zone. I am your host, Jordan, also known as the Scheming Skeleton. You guys know me, you know George. George is my co-host. He owns Compete Sport, which is the uh, best Carolina LGS. And best Carolina's this- best LGS. <laughs> yes, and this is the mm-hmm. very first episode of the Bone Zone that is going to be um, on all of the different podcast platforms as a new podcast. We we are already out there, but this is like the one that people are going to be able to go out and listen to for the first time on both platforms. So this is pretty awesome. What's you laughing know. about, George? I have no idea what the other platforms are. <laughs> oh, God, dude, there's so many of them. I don't even know. Like, I had... I started like an anchor account, which is through Spotify. And that gives you like Spotify, Apple, uh, God knows whatever other ones are out there. I mean, there's a million. Mm-hmm. It kind of like links them all for you. So oh. it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so anyways, and then we're here with Tanner. This is the whole reason that we're having this special uh, Bone Zone today. This is focused on one game only. We are focusing on Cryptic. And this is Tanner, the creator of Cryptic. So Tanner, welcome to the Bone Zone. Hello, my friends. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Of course, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I was excited to have you on once I spoke with George and a few other community members, specifically before George even mentioned having you on or sent me any of the uh, little random decks. There mm-hmm. is a member of the community, a content creator that has been doing a lot of cryptic stuff lately, and that is my friend Just Add Misplay. Uh, He has a YouTube channel called Back to Square Fun. Um, He's a super nice dude, really down to earth. He's we're very similar in the way that we uh, are straight shooters. We're honest. He's just a little nicer than I am. Um, So, uh, you know, the whole the whole reason that I, you know, took George up on this was not only because I like TCGs, obviously, but I kind of felt like I gave you and gave Cryptic a bad rap in a lot of conversations I had in different comments and things. It felt like an MTG clone. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been so much Kickstarter failure more than success lately. And there's been so much of it that's just been, you know, falsified, uh, blown out of proportion. And it turned me off. Like, to be honest, that was a, that was a big thing that turned me off. So I felt like I didn't give it a fair shake. Um, I did like a lot of things about the game, specifically the art. Uh, mm-hmm. I, and we'll get into that later because I have some questions and th- thoughts about the art, but I really like the art. I, I like the way the cards were layout. I think I was just in that mindset that I hate when people tell me they're in, which is I don't have room or money for another TCG. Like I seriously fell into that trap for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I am sorry for that. I am sorry. I felt that okay. way. And, I am the kind of person that though I like to I like to write my wrongs if I mm-hmm. felt or or I never said anything like bad mouthing you or the game. I yeah. did say at one time to Louie mm-hmm. that um mm-hmm. I don't understand what everyone sees that's so special about this game. Um sure. but I think you understand that coming from people looking at your game and saying, Oh, it is similar to magic. But yeah, now that I've sat down and actually played and looked at the cards, I'm like, yeah, it's similar to magic, but in a lot of good ways. Like all the things I love about magic is what cryptic seems to capture. So yep. um I guess, you know, the the first thing I I kind of want to talk about on my list of thoughts mm-hmm. is um it appears that some actual real thought went into designing the gameplay. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been playing Magic the Gathering since I was like about 8 or 9 years old with my stepbrothers. And we've always loved the game, but we've always had certain frustrations with the game even as children realized sure. that there were some flaws in the game design. 
And like we've talked about before, George, there are certain aspects of the game design of Magic the Gathering that absolutely would not be implemented if the game was right. created today because of all the lessons we learned over the years. Yeah. So if you're going to create a new TCG, especially one that has a Magic the Gathering vibe to it, the last thing you want to do is copy the mechanics that everyone hates. So yeah. the RNG and randomization of land cards or resource cards in the game is the number one problem. And that was something that we knew when we were like, kids so we used to literally play magic with two decks where we would have a land deck and a main deck and we'd play a land every turn like hearthstone we had no idea if that was going on in other places or what i also have like this deck box that i carry on that had all my old magic cards in it and on the bottom of it it says rules and you can tell when over time like pen ink ages and turns yellow and gets nasty yeah in yellow nasty ass ink from when i was a kid oh can we cuss oh yeah, yeah. dude you're fine. okay yeah, yeah. jordan's jordan's just jordan's podcast is the wild west this is not yeah, okay i just want to make sure on this you could say i was not aligned <laughs> yeah no you do whatever you want <laughs> so we would make our own rules for the game when we were kids and i've always mm -hmm. had ideas of what i liked in games and i've played other games over the years and seen different aspects that i liked and some that i didn't and yeah. i didn't realize that it was possible to create your own tcg i didn't even really know about the indie tcg i would call it a craze i just didn't sure. even know that it existed i was a magic sure. player so when I realized that there was an actual way I could build my own game and fund my own game outside of just my own money, that was really interesting to me. So it was already being developed as a comic series, Cryptic, the lore itself. And I was like, why don't I just put this on the game I've been creating since I was a little kid? And I had some money saved up. I had a property in Utah that I was able to sell and raise money for the game. And a big part of that was like, if I'm going to build a game and expect people to give a shit about my game, I got to have skin in the game. So yeah. by the time we had even gone to Kickstarter, the amount of money that was put into the art and development of the game was already six figures. We'd already put over $100,000 of our own money into the game. We already had payroll and it was a functional company. So that might have got a little off track there for a sec, but basically no, no, it the basic shows... premise of it is like, yeah, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Yeah, it shows how like, all in you are on on what you did and it's not just mm -hmm. talking about how all in you are like mm -hmm. you're actually showing proof that you are all in this not to make a quick buck but because mm -hmm. it's something that is a dream and one thing that i had heard for the longest time that you just put to rest was mm -hmm. that the story was being developed based on the artwork that you purchased and mm -hmm. not the other way around and that wouldn't necessarily be an issue if you're purchasing artwork and making a story about it. I actually mm -hmm. think that's kind of neat, but to know that you have a mix of both, that you're mm -hmm. kind of buying, that you bought some artwork of existing things, but mm -hmm. you also had your own lore, that interests me even more because George could give two shits about lore, flavor text, but he knows mm -hmm. I'm that guy. That's why yeah. George and I balance each other out. He, he knows the things I'm into and vice versa. Um, yeah. And I think like the biggest compliment I can give your product from a person who just got it in the mail and opened it and looked at it was it felt like a jumpstart pack mm -hmm. and jumpstart is my favorite magic the gathering product of all time and yep. it also felt like a magic the gathering tournament deck um mm -hmm. like you get your order for dominaria team. jumpstart jordan i'm a little upset by this mm -hmm. now I, you know, you, I could have dominaria, dominaria jumpstart you yeah. know i i would have gotten you a box jordan that's all i'm gonna tell you buddy no you no I am talking about first jumpstart. Tanner knows. I'm talking yeah. about the first jumpstart, and I'm talking Dominary about 2022. Wow. I'm talking um, about yeah. those two products. For uh, sure. The fact that you can just open it up, it tells you what deck it, it is. Your decks. 
you get yep. some random cards inside and it feels fun to just crack that one so, thing yep. and go, this is the thing I need to play with. This yeah. one so, thing right here. That's so it. let's add some context to this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what the booster deck is, why yep. it's important to the game, and how you came up with it? I think that might help people understand yes. part of the product offering. Because I think the booster deck is um, pretty brilliant. For sure. I thought of it as a way to teach people the game and an inexpensive way to get into the game if you were to purchase it from a store. So yep. one of the big points is that I wanted there to be a way to play Cryptic for 10 bucks. That was my goal. I need a $10 product. I was looking at starter decks and options for that. I love including booster packs in actual starter or theme decks. So I knew that Perfect the $10 inclusion. price point yeah. wasn't realistic for the booster deck. So the booster deck I developed was basically a hybrid product between a starter deck and a booster pack. So there's four factions. There's five versions of each. So there's 20 total versions you can get. And it's a randomized product. So you get a little tuck box that holds your 30 cards yep. and you have no idea what you'll get. And on top of that, there's six cards prior to the 30 card deck that are instructional cards. They show you the game zones. They show you the steps of the game, give you a basic overview of the game and a link to take you to the website to see the comprehensive rule book. So in one tiny tuck box, I can hand two of those to two random players. And if they've ever played a TCG before, within 15 minutes, I have them playing Cryptic. So and it's not overly like the rules were mm -hmm. not overly difficult to get on that card. Mm -hmm. Like that card told you literally everything you needed to know. The only thing it didn't tell me was uh, like what the minimum and maximum deck size mm -hmm. that you can build is. But I don't think at that point in learning the game, it's important. It's nope. just that, you know, you can open that tuck box and have fun. And it's even more like a jumpstart pack. That's the best way I can explain it to people. But for the old school guys like us who have been playing magic, since it came out mm -hmm. it's like a tournament deck like what you'd get in tempest or fourth edition you open it up you got your little cool rules you got your random insertion of cards you yep. shuffle and you play that deck and that's the part that i really thought was special and that's mm -hmm. the part that i'm like shocked other tcgs haven't like found yet that they haven't yeah. they haven't really thought about doing something like that yeah well we're all about play obviously there's a ton of collectability built into the sealed product just because I also like shiny cardboard. So there's yeah. going to be certain elements that I have to implement in the sealed product. But yeah. at the end of the day, I take the game part of TCG very seriously. And I know, especially in this environment, current market, the only yeah. way for one of these projects to survive and thrive is through gameplay. So if you're running tournaments, people are showing up, they're enjoying the product. You have an easy and inexpensive way for stores to show people the game. It's the only chance you have. And so it's that's... not hard to learn, Tanner. Mm -hmm. Like, it isn't hard to learn. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. That's why Jumpstart was so successful as, I, and keep in mind, when we talk about Jumpstart, everyone, it's the first yeah. Jumpstart and the newest one. It is not the ancillary bullshit Dominaria Jumpstart. Uh, George, you the didn't The Brothers of War Jumpstart DM me. I got you. Did Those you buy that shit? Yikes. Ooh. Oh, God, dude. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> You know, they were I just got... telling me I needed to add more weight for the back of my truck, even though it's four-wheel drive. There you so go. Send me you a got few pallets of that. Yeah. Um, I, no, I did not get that many. Um, good. <laughs> so, like the, um, so you have the booster deck, which is mm -hmm. the easiest way for a, a newbie to come in and try to learn the basics. Oh, yeah. One step up from that, I would say, is the starter deck, which mm -hmm. is a traditional deck with three packs as well. Yep. Those are going to be a little bit harder to find because those have the Kickstarter packs in them, but they're mm -hmm. out there for pretty reasonable yep. prices. I yeah, yeah. Say. 
You can get them twenty to twenty five dollars. Yeah, all day long. Yeah. Um, and I know that this 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 will be news to you, Jordan, mainly because it's not entirely true. This podcast is sponsored by Cav Dane's Market, where you can go for all your cryptic singles. It's not Cav Dane's Market anymore, is it? Okay, whatever for it now. is, go buy go bu- go buy your crap from Louis. Isn't it like yeah. Gamers yeah. Grove or something? No, that's his be. new stupid store that's okay. in jail. Um, so Gamers like, Grove has been used by like eight different L- L- LGSs and online listen, companies. By the way, I can, so. can only do so much. All right, <laughs> um, I can only carry the podcast. Poor um, Louis. So then you have the booster box and the booster mm-hmm. box, the Kickstarter boxes are pretty unique, right? They have yeah. the packs and they have two box toppers. Mm-hmm. Each box should have, I would say, more than enough card. I opened eight boxes for my store to yep. have cheap singles for people. Yep. That was enough to get all 32, 36 people who attended mm-hmm. nice. to bolster their deck. Yep. So, I mean, if you get a box or two and a starter deck, You'll have no problems to build three, four decks and play with your buddies for a long time. Well, and that was definitely the idea. And like, I'm trying to create an all encompassing booster box because to any game, not just indies, but like all TCGs, the booster box is the star of the show. It is your Mm -hmm. premier product. Yeah. It is the most important product. So ours is extremely draftable. It's built to draft. And the fact that you don't need resource cards, dice, or tokens means that you can run draft events at your store or house with just the box which is really convenient. And then the pull rates and the collectability that's built into the box attracts the collectors and the people that really want the shiny stuff. So like the hand-signed autograph cards by the artists that I had to send all over the world, get back and seed randomly into the product. And just the fact that, like George is talking about, you can get play sets of cards. You can get a play set, so three of every card in the game, on average in three, three and a half boxes. So if you're ordering a case of product, you can get all the cards you need, all the shiny stuff you want, and then still have two boxes to keep sold or sell to get some of your money back or whatever. Which is perfect. I mean, that's the, that's the kind of, that's the kind of case that you want to hit. Like that's Mm -hmm. the kind of case design that you want to have. So I think, I think that was uh, perfect when I understood that that's how things worked out because Mm -hmm. not only has George said this, but Joe G said this. And just add misplay said the same thing without the three of us even talking about it. They they all agreed on the same so, thing when they told me mm-hmm. about it. I'm gonna leave the um gameplay of My Hero Academia alone for a minute. But like I think My Hero Academia boxes are pretty close to perfection. Mm-hmm. Your boxes are basically the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have the two box toppers that have basically guaranteed hits. Then they have full arts and alt arts in the packs that you can hit. Yeah. So if I get a case of cryptic, so I get it, not a master case, a regular case of cryptic. Mm-hmm. What should I what what you know, you know this, Tanner? I am I am a better collector than I am player, I would argue. <laughs> really? Um yes. I know yeah. I know this is shocking to everybody That's, on I'm shocked. Us. <laughs> what on average should I expect to get out of my one six box case? Well, you should get one cryptic text card, which the pull rate for those is slightly better than one per case because there's like 1,200 plus packs in a case and it's one in 1,200 exactly for the uh, rarity of the cryptic text card. So you'll get one of those and those are even rarity spread across the whole print run. So you can get any of the 150 cards. Now, those are the riddle cards, right? Not mm -hmm. to interrupt you. Is there something that decodes those riddle cards? There's a cipher. I I would never share it. Gotcha, but there is. There is. The community has it, yeah. I'll give it to you later, Jordan. They figured it out. No, I I pulled one of those and it was a Mm -hmm. brass man. I'm assuming they're all brass men. Is that right? Is that just or am I just that good? You're that good. You're just that good. 
I know one in All right. one in 150 cases. Wow, really? Well, no, no, they're they're even rarity. So the print run on all of them, regardless of rarity, is equal. Oh, okay. so and that's just for the like the big hits, right? And then that's the like a product hit. Yeah. yeah, that's like that's a big hit. Um, that's okay, a nutty just, hit. That's the best yeah. one. Yeah. So you'll get the cryptic text, and you should probably also get a full art. Yeah, you get a full box. art one per box on average, one but box. one of the boxes in should have two. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. the full arts are basically the same as the other cards minus the text box and text box borders. And so you, you said the riddle cards were one in a case? One in the yep. case. Yep. One in so a case. one per okay. six booster boxes. Got it. Cool. And then if you're really lucky, getting green cryptic. Yeah, you get noble green cryptic text, which would be one per every other master case. So one in every 36 boxes. Oh, wow. Thanks. And then beyond that would I like be that. the hand sign cards, which are one ridiculously hard to pull, like one in 130 booster gotcha. boxes. But you can find those okay. in the starter decks as well. I saw it myself at a shop. So wow, yeah, okay. So those are the three product. Now they, I mean, let me, let's walk that back for a second. So mm-hmm. in the in the starter decks, mm-hmm. I scans for every hit except for the box topper. Exactly. Yep. Uh, which I think is really smart. I know some other TCGs have messed that up in the beginning. When smart the too. hits were only available in booster boxes, which just kind of made ancillary products a little bit harder to move to people because they're like. I'll just buy the box. Well, they're considered doo-doo tier because you're putting up a paywall to the best shit you offer. Right. So yeah. if you want to do that, all you're doing is putting one product on a pedestal and totally cannibalizing, destroying your other product, which is fine if that's how they want to do it. But like for us, I feel like there's more of an intent thing. And my intent is that people that can only afford, you know, less than a box, which boxes are expensive. Like I understand that not everyone can afford one. Why should they not have access to the same cool stuff? Like, yeah, I, I actually yeah. had someone before we even talked about doing this interview, I had someone reach out to me about the game and asked mm-hmm. me if I was still, you know, are you still not really interested in it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, not much, you know, right mm-hmm. now. And the person said, well, I did have some criticisms, um, you know, about some things. And the one criticism that they brought up was they said it, you know, what is with the product having like a million different effing things like magic has. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And I actually, without knowing much about the game, really being interested in it, defended that part of it. And I said, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. The little bit of research I've done, I can Mm -hmm. see that there's a few different things. And then in in wave two, they're going to be also doing a few different things. But we're not talking about opening a box or a pack of magic and getting 36 different friggin' cards or whatever it is. Like it's completely different. So that comparison is terrible in my opinion. Yeah, and I could see what they're saying. Like, there are multiple variants of each card, but I'll just give an example. Like, when I was in Georgia's store, there was a few people there that were purchasing additional boxes trying to chase specific cards or certain rarities of and cards. And need that. And they got it very quickly. Sure, They knew exactly yeah. what they were looking for. Sure. Like, they knew exactly what the good hits were. Like, uh, I saw somebody pull a cryptic text card right in front of me after he bought one booster box and got the case hit and was immediately like, oh, looks like I have a... Like, he knew right away. So... <laughs> I understand what they're saying and like I agree to it. I agree with it to a certain extent. Like wave two won't have the noble green cryptic text cards. That's something that I want to keep special for uh Kickstarter. But of course, I have some other spice that is extremely hard to pull that I think people are gonna think is really cool for wave two. Nice. We all know that George signed a card in wave two will be the product hit. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that'll be one in uh ninety five hundred booster boxes, the whole print. Great. So. Great. Thank wow. you. I want to make sure Incredible. I understood that correctly. Yeah, don't um, stroke his ego anymore, Tanner. <laughs> that's he right. Can't, his heart can't take um, it, nor can mine. That's right. 
That's right. Yeah. I do have I do have one very cool little. I don't know if it's necessarily a spoiler. I've talked about it in person, but I've never announced it. Scoopies, scoopies. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Here we Scoobies. go, Tanner. Drop it. So, I've told people at CollectCons this stuff, but I've never seen anybody talk about it in the Discord, which is kind of interesting. And I never have announced it yet. So I purchased the Christopher Rush painting for uh, the first set. I bought that from Sierra, his daughter. And yeah, that was wow. the art featured on Brassman's Will, which yep. I knew would be a chase card. Like, there's just no yep. way you're getting away from that, right? Yep. Like, that's the card everyone wants to hit. So for Wave 2, we're actually going to be retiring that art. So we have something called the Noble Art List, which is basically a reserve list for art. It doesn't have anything to do nice. with the functionality of the card. It's not limiting Perfect. the players. It's just basically saying this art will never, ever be used on a card ever again. And that's where the Chris Rush painting now lives. And the painting replacing it for Wave 2 is actually an oil painting. I now own the original oil painting of an art that Sierra did. So Chris Rush's wow. daughter made a painting of a pair of brass hands holding a lotus flower. And there will be tiers and levels to chases of variants of that specific card. So that's, that's cool. awesome. So, like I love I love the fact that not only did you do that with the Christopher Rush art, but mm -hmm. the fact that you're involving his daughter in it too. Yeah. It's not something you had to do. Yeah. Um that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. Like mm -hmm. that feels like something really special. Um Scooby. and that's the kind of like that's the kind of thing where someone who has a really big love and understanding for what they're trying to create would do. That's yep. just not something Joe Schmo does. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I'll be straight up and honest with you. Like the thing that actually inspired me to do the Christopher Rush painting, I told George this already, is I saw the announcement for the sorcery Frazetta um collaboration or whatever. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. License some yep, art from yep. the Frazetta state. And I was like, hmm, that's really smart. I think that's super cool. I just didn't really think that would be possible to do something like that. So I'm like, I wonder if I could get one from the magic artist, like the, the artist of right. the Black Lotus, the most yeah. iconic trading card ever. In the world, yeah. So yeah. I hit up his daughter and she went through all of storage and she had to go through like a hundred containers of all these different paintings and sketches and everything she had. And she sent me pictures of everything and we came across the heart and I asked her if she'd sell me the original painting and license it for a cryptic card and she said yes. So now I have the original piece of art and it's on a cryptic card. So it's, it's amazing. And it's gotta, it's gotta be like unbelievable to see something like that in front of mm -hmm. you being yep. someone who played magic as long as you've played Yep, and been into magic as long as you've been into it. Like I, I started my quick background into TCGs mm -hmm. is I started uh, playing magic, the gathering when my parents got divorced and my stepfather uh, ran card shows with my step-grandfather and they treated mm -hmm. me just like I was their son. I mm -hmm. would go and help them set up the show. We had people that were selling magic there. We specifically had a guy who still owns an LGS in my town to this day that sells magic. He mm -hmm. was wearing a suit and tie and he had these cards up on placards uh, like Black Lotus. And it was like $300. And these mm -hmm. old guys selling sports cards and coins we're like, who the fuck is this guy? Mm -hmm. Like, what is this dipshit doing? He is never going to sell these cards. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. this guy. And and it's just funny to look back on that. But that was where, where my, you know, uh, foray into magic began. And mm -hmm. I was playing with, you know, uh, Alpha, Beta, Revise, Unlimited, Arabian Nights. 
And I just recently had a, a conversation with the magic historian about this. Mm. Um, I got to meet him friend, in person. Friend of the show, magic historian. Yes, friend of the show. He will be on in January. Show. But uh, I was at the Genesis Championship in Toronto and I met him there and we were talking about magic. And um, we we had this conversation back and forth about early magic. And he goes, well, I actually wasn't playing as long as you've played. He said, I, I didn't. I, I've heard some of these stories about playing early, but uh, a lot of them I had never really been able to confirm. And one of those mm. was, I remember like opening Arabian Nights and you'd be like, oh, I already have this card. And you just toss it like you would. No one wanted them. You would just throw yeah. this stuff away that you didn't need. Like, that's yeah. just how it was. No one thought it was going to be worth anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me circle back. Changed. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no shit. Let me circle yeah. back for one second here. Tina. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. What was your thought process about going into reserve list art versus reserve list cards? As I'm not sure you've heard, uh, there's some controversy currently about reserve list. I know this skated under your radar or not. Uh, so what are you talking about? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What, what are you referencing? Yeah. Um, I didn't so buy like, any, but for everybody watching, I didn't buy any. Okay. Me neither. I wanted to be uh, on the record. What, I did. Yeah, I know. We know you did. Uh, so, um, <laughs> What was your thing? I, I let me be very clear here. I my my position on reserve lists is clear. I hate reserve lists. Yeah, they should not exist for sure. Um, what is your? Do you expect to eventually have a card reserve list that's functional? What was your thought? What's your what's your feeling about reserve lists? Just you know, broadly, I guess. Yeah, I really don't plan on having a reserve list to do with the functionality of a card because. Okay ultimately they are game pieces and like some people think that's lame or they think that it's not as important or that they want to have a certain mm -hmm. amount of value maintained in their cards which i understand but if we can creatively make ways to to increase the value of these cards through collectability i think that's a win so for example yeah. one of our concepts for a future product is a overseer set and like everybody's familiar with like the uh like double masters 22 like yeah. masters products of mtg doing reprints and those are helpful for players and getting new people in the game and certain staple cards that are required that weren't necessarily printed to oblivion that are kind of hard to find that are like prohibitively expensive, you know, like $80 counterspells, $100 counterspell cards. So for us, we want to do an overseer product. And the plan right now is to do it after the third set and it will feature functional reprints from um, our first three sets and the art on them will be prequel art. So it'll be art of them when they were younger on their native worlds before they came to Cryptic Island. That's really so, cool. That reminds me of like the flesh and blood young heroes that they mm -hmm. do. And I always like that idea of the young heroes and the old heroes. Like yeah. I, I like I like when people do that in the storyline where it builds up this this prequel of characters. That's really cool. Yeah. So they'll be functioning the same as the cards from their original printing so that players can have access to them and collectors will have access to new art and lore that they've never heard or seen before. So the collectability is there, but it doesn't penalize players. It actually helps players. So like, I think I lean more into the player side, but the collectability basically is just built into the sealed product at this point. And the way we engineer our sealed product and the way we're going to continue moving forward, like making sure that collectability is built into each box. Yeah. If I can just concentrate heavily on the players and building the player base by doing like my little tours of all these LGSs and stuff, including I think favorite LGS. Be, like, the winning formula. Um, well, so I want to talk about my tournament here in a second, but let me ask you this. You come from whatnot mm -hmm. amongst many other things. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've saved lives. You're probably the only TCG to like 
Like yeah. retired hundreds, if not thousands of lives. I've yep. heard this. Yeah, maybe uh, millions. Uh, a, you wanted to be a firefighter. That was your well, uh, that was your dream, right? Yeah, no, was I was a firefighter. Yeah, I mean, you wanted to be like you wanted to <laughs> yeah. do that forever. That was like your thing. And yeah, you yeah. wanted to be a, you wanted to be a TCG content creator, Jordan. I'm proud of you. Yeah, like, yeah, yes. absolutely. No, I was. Uh, like what a weird. Yeah, no, I was a fireman in Vegas for ten years. This right. last July, I okay. got my ten year anniversary, so I got my cool coin, and uh, I resigned. I bounced, which was a weird thing because like I definitely wasn't ready to leave, and like I didn't feel like I had yet gotten my fill which is kind of funny because based on like our average call volume and how insanely busy the strip is i had already worked a career worth of calls in any other system so gotcha. like i've already ran 30 years worth of calls it just felt like i wasn't quite ready to leave yeah. but it was kind of a do or die moment with cryptic because i was starting to fall behind in certain job functions that i have for this company and i basically had to make a choice like either yeah. half-ass cryptic and it'll probably just straggle along and be fine and keep my job or quit my job and i don't even call it a job it really is a career like healthcare, nice salary all that oh yeah that's not a job <laughs> sure. yeah. yeah um or you know go full board cryptic which i did so or go to compete sport you made the right choice yep. team. Exactly. um so you come from whatnot and mm -hmm. what i would say is not known for their thriving player base they are known for their uh polls and the shiny stuff and the collectability yep. yep i have now talked to you for probably a couple dozen hours i have never had a conversation with you where you don't mention how important play is and how this is a player's first game yep. and you view the collectability as basically a way to allow stores to carry your game i can't yeah. carry a game if i can't sell boxes it's the cold hard math yeah yep why do well, you care so much about the players and why do you care so much that people play your game? I know that sounds like a crazy question. No, I know. It's yeah. from years that like the least important part, but if a game succeeds, is it's play. Yep. Yep. Why no. do you care so much? You know what? And I think that's changed kind of recently because like Tendy Town and Flippy season over the last couple of years has come to an end. Yeah, that shit's so, ended. It's it's over. We just talked about that in the last podcast. It's the it's, it's the great. end of the TCG boom. Well, it's fantastic because now all the data I'm getting and all the price data and player data I get is all real. Yes. Because there, there would be no reason to yep. be involved if yep. uh, if you're just trying to like flip and make money and stuff like that's not really available to you anymore. So everything we're seeing now is real and it's data that I can actually rely on and I can do print runs based on that. I can hire based on that. I can build my company around real data now, not guessing how much of it is real. Yeah, And that's yeah. been pretty recent that that's happened. So as, as far as like the playability goes... I wanted a game that I enjoyed playing a lot, that I wanted to consistently play with my friends, that I wanted to play when we go out to eat, when we go to the bar, and we just want to bust out our booster decks and play a game of Cryptic. I want it to be something amazing and balanced. And I also do want the game to be competitive. Like, Although I understand that the casual market is massive in comparison to the competitive market, it's still a thing. And what they do is they help you make a balanced game because they bully you and force you into making a balanced game because if it's not, they tear you apart. So sure. I think the competitive aspect is important and we want to build on that. And that's why we're doing the organized play app, which I just got a demo of about two hours ago from the developers. And it's just, I, I can truly say like with why well, I really believe that we will have the best, most comprehensive organized play app of any game, including the big games. Your reserve list for art. I really, really respect that. I yeah. think that's what all of these games should have been doing from the beginning. Yeah, Putting 100%. a card 100%. behind a paywall 
is a shitty idea as far as, you know, that specific card needs to be used in this deck. And if you yeah. don't have this one card or $400 to buy it, your your gameplay suffers. Too well, bad you didn't yeah. open it, you know? Long-term, it's bad business. Yeah. Like you might think it's cool now or you try to build in some extra value in the short term so you can sell some booster boxes. But if you actually want to be in this for the long haul and you're doing stuff like that, that's a huge red flag for me. So yeah. that's just bad business, plain and simple. Also, it's yeah. just kind of rude like to your players. It's just an absolute dick move like to restrict them from being able to build decks because you want to make extra money. Like This is a business first. It has to function as a business so I can make payroll, continue to develop yeah. cards, get the cards printed, et cetera. But if you're going to treat your players like shit and not give them access to cards, like kind of just says a lot about your intent with the game and, and where you want to go from there. So yeah, it creates, it creates greed mm -hmm. and it creates a very unhealthy competitive play environment. In my opinion, it, yeah. it's just a terrible situation to walk into. Um, and, and yeah, that's why I don't play some of the games I used to play because of that situation. Um, I also, uh, some of my thoughts real quick, and I'm almost at the end of my thoughts piece, which was, uh, uh, more TCGs need to be doing what you're doing, Tanner, which is more sets a year or, or some sort of supplementary yeah. products in between sets, because sure. not only do you need, like you said, the money to make payroll, but mm -hmm. you got to keep that excitement up for the game, especially nowadays. We are not living in, we are living in the time where everyone wants instant pleasure, mm -hmm. instant excitement from everything. Personally, some of the cards that I played with and when I was looking through the decks that showed me that you guys were serious about the gameplay aspect that we spoke about were cards like uh, Morning Muster. Mm -hmm. Like not only is the artwork really cool on that, but mm -hmm. it seems like you put a lot of thought into Okay, what if someone wants to take some of the the eleven year cards and swap them out for a chance at getting a better eleven year card that flips? Sure. Like, or the recursion in the undead deck. You didn't just mm -hmm. go like with a simple Delver mechanic or some some stupid way of recursion. Like, mm -hmm. there's multiple ways of recursion, and there's like flavorful cards that fit that theme, like uh, oh, yeah. Kushiel and mm -hmm. Underworld Escort. Uh, like you can mix those mystic factions together with the undead faction and you can make some really cool things happen. And the more I sat down and looked at the very small amount of cards I had, I was mm -hmm. already seeing where you could go with this in the future. And oh, yeah. it it feels different than magic, but it feels mm -hmm. it feels similar in the good ways, those jumpstart well, ways. I mean, like, I don't know. I have in Tana up your thoughts on this. If I'm reading this correct or not, there's a reason magic is number one by a colossal mile everybody can focus on the parts that they hate on magic and it's easy and it gets clicks and people love you know people love uh clicks but like the basic mechanics of magic there's a reason nobody else has gotten close in size it's because mm -hmm. it's easy to understand for the average player mm -hmm. i do this i can play this yep and like the flaws in that are obvious, and I think, like, you know, Tanner's system kind of solves that, right? Where a card can have more than one use, mm -hmm. and it adds additional choices, right? So your yep. your card not only is the the ability, mm -hmm. also how you can play it, and you have to choose which one you want. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, there's dual colors, there's things like that that really add um, some complexity and excitement to the game. Yep. So I mean, like. It feels like magic because it should feel like magic because magic has a really good system. Yeah. Is that 
Am I reading from the same hymnal? Yeah. And the basically the best part about magic is the way turn phases, priority, and the stack work. Like those are the three best things about magic. So those yeah. are things that I wanted to implement in my game. Obviously, I can't call it the stack, but the way priority works and the way spells resolve is the same. And the way that turn phases work is the same. Resource is different. Attacking is different. Life is different. And all those things add up to players having something new to explore and something new to master. So yeah. if like really high level magic players come to our game and they learn day one and they think they're just going to mop the floor with everyone experienced cryptic player shows up and shows them the nuance of cryptic gameplay that makes them elite. They're going to be like, Oh, and now they have something new they want to master. So sure. that just makes them dive even deeper into the game. Yeah. It makes it harder to have those, what they call spikes. Those people who mm -hmm. are coming in just to, just to win the tournament, have no interest in the game. It it makes that a lot more difficult. Um, yep. And that's one thing that like uh, uh, turned me on to Genesis, which is why I covered that a lot, was because mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a difficult game. So mm -hmm. people aren't able to just jump in and play it, but that's also a downside. That's yeah. also a big downside. And when I opened your product, I saw like, whoa, this shit is just right out of the box, ready to mm -hmm. play. Like yeah. for the first time in, I, I'm I'm not, I'm not just bullshitting when I say this for the first time, since I opened a tournament deck in magic as a kid, I had that feeling opening that deck. And that was crazy to think that in all mm -hmm. this giant TCG boom, that was the first time since then I'd open a product yeah. like that. And that well, was why I really felt like we need to do this. It, yeah. This is going to give it legs even more. And I wanted to mm -hmm. do more research and, and come at you with these questions and for this sure. conversation. Well, and I searched far and wide for a game that could provide that to me and was shocked to not find anything, anything that yeah. I was interested in playing or being a part of whatsoever. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make my own. And yeah. I'm glad it played out the way it did because like we were talking about earlier with like using the existing art pieces, which by the way, in Wicked Prophecy, our next set, there's a lot less of that. There's 135 out of the 150 are custom pieces that have specific scenes and characters on them for the next nice. set. Nice. So that was, oh. that was actually, it's kind of three questions in one. Mm -hmm. We've yeah. covered everything I wanted to ask. Okay. We are already have covered with George coming up with some awesome things to talk about as well, mm -hmm. doing his co-host job. So thank you, George. Um, we pretty much covered most of what I wrote down, but I'm going to bundle these three into one really easy question. So mm -hmm. Cryptic has its own lore that yes. uh, you guys have already wrote. It was a comic book. So mm -hmm. that, that part's awesome. We know that now. Um, the artwork that you purchased, we spoke about that. Now mm -hmm. going forward, here's the question with art direction. Yep. Do you have someone that is going to be in charge of art direction? Do you have a theme mm -hmm. for art direction? And yep. to go along with that, are you still going to keep doing this, purchase some pieces of art, have art directors, or do you eventually want to have like an entire team that is just doing cryptic art? Um, in the long run, yeah, I would love to have that. Right yeah. now, I've been doing the art direction, what you'd call the creative director and the person managing the artist. I was doing that for the first like, 40 to 50 pieces of wicked prophecy and at that point we had somebody else come in that i thought was going to be more like shadowing me while i went and i thought because i didn't want to put too much burden on her shoulders sure. so she showed up and took over basically and just has been running it ever since and doing a way better job than i ever could and i'm she sure that's like, that's a hard thing to let your baby go yeah like that's a thing a, a very hard thing to trust someone else but i think that also shows good leadership within mm -hmm 
not only, you know, what you want to do, your company, but it shows good leadership that you are able to step back from your product or your company and say, you know, I may not know everything. Mm -hmm. A different perspective from the outside will really help. And I need to let this happen and let it play out um, without getting too much involved because eventually yeah. you want to sit back and you want to be doing the, uh, you know, the Mark Rosewater job. You want to mm -hmm. be back saying, Hey, I'm the collaborator. You want to create thousand dollar booster packs. You don't want to do yes. that shit. You, <laughs> get you get what I'm saying? You want to be the guy in the room that says, team, here we are. This yeah. is the next set. Let's get this nailed out. Let's figure out yeah. what we're going to do and work together as an actual team. And that's what it's turning into because there's teams within the company that all have designated leadership. And yeah. now she's running that portion of the company. Until we officially announce and name her as the creative director, I don't want to say her name specifically just because we sure. haven't worked out all the, the details on it, like sure. the announcement, how we want to do it. But everyone that sees the Wicked Prophecy art and compares it to the Genesis art, which is our first set, yeah. I think they're going to be like, whoa, these guys really stepped it up. These guys and gals now, she's the first girl on our team. And they're going to be like, wow, they stepped it up. Because like, in my opinion, the Cryptic Genesis art is fantastic. Like I cherry picked a lot of it. I put a lot of work into making sure it was cohesive and nice. I would say in indie world, like indie TCG world, it's a nine, right? And then in oh, actual it's, like it's good. commercial big boy TCGs, I will give it a seven and a half. Whereas Wicked Prophecy, I'm going to give an 11 in indies and a nine in commercial. Because we're always going to have room to get a little bit better for the next set. But yeah. the next set is just at such a higher level. The art's so much, I don't want to say it's so much better, but like a lot of the pieces just are standout. Like the pieces you would think would be the strongest pieces in our first set, that becomes the average for Wicked Prophecy. So yeah. we've spent more than double on art for the next set than wow. we did on the first set. That's crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, that's something I'm super pumped to see. George, you mm -hmm. know, obviously, I'm the scheming skeleton. Everything I like mm -hmm. is dark fantasy. My brother is actually an ho a horror author. Like we we were raised, uh, we're we're all from Ohio. Mm -hmm. We were raised. That, that explains very, it. You could have stopped right there, George. <laughs> that, we were raised that explains it all right there. Small town, you know, on mm -hmm. on the lake where when mm -hmm. it was fall and when it was winter, you're telling your scary stories. It's it's dead silent out here. It, it's just something about the place where we grew up and where we live that really ingrained like dark fantasy and horror into us. And we've both always been into it. So my brother and I collaborate on a lot of stuff and we we love talking about things that neither of us are really into. I'm, mm. I'm into HP Lovecraft and stuff like that. So is he. TCGs? No, he, he has no interest in it. But when mm -hmm. I told him there was a Lovecraft TCG and we were going to sit down and play uh, Arkham when he comes home. Oh yeah. my God. He was, he was loving that. He's like, yes, mm. let's do it. So I, I think, um, you know, there is a, there's a wide range of people that you can hit with your game that you may not realize. And each set that comes out like wicked prophecy, when I saw the artwork, like the text, and I saw the little blurb of the artwork you have there with mm. the girl and the, and the guy, like that spoke to me right away as like Norse mythology like Celtic mythology, like mm -hmm. all these cool things that I'm into, like it spoke to me. And yeah. that's hard to do. It's really hard to have a world that like jumps out and speaks to you. Um, yeah. And I honestly like, thank you, George, for even mentioning it. Cause I wasn't taking a deeper dive and now I'm glad I am because it, it really aligns with a lot of the things that I'm into. So. You just yep. take all my opinions, buddy. You know, I'm, I'm usually right. All right. Yeah. So I want to. Not about uh, MetaZoo. Sorry, buddy. Hey, hey, hey. 
there's two other topics other than those two, I guess, that I want to get into before uh, yes. everything ends. One is printed demand, and the other is the world's largest cryptic tournament, of course. Wow. Um, the world you know, championship. We'll, 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 see, we'll, see where, we'll see where it was. I don't know exactly, but like, you know. Champion we'll of the universe. Where, yeah. Like, we'll <laughs> see where the largest cryptic tournament was held. Mm-hmm. So um, a common complaint about the Kickstarter model. Yep. Is the boxes will almost definitionally come out worthless. Mm-hmm. Anybody who wanted one could buy one. Sure. Um, and so by sheer stupid logic that doesn't follow, uh, every you know, anybody who didn't want one didn't buy one, but everybody who did want one did buy one. So there's no market when they release. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- I don't believe this for any game. Okay, like, I was wondering if you wanted me to explain to you. No, like, like okay. I don't believe this in any game. That, okay, I think okay. I think this I think this rather silly. Yeah, but well, I think, but you know why? Why do you think it's silly? And I'll okay. go like why my experience with cryptic and why I think my experience almost definitionally disproves this. Okay, so I'll say for the first portion of that point that people try to make, they're actually writer than they think in a way. The demand for the game is actually much lower than the public facing number because a lot of those boxes are being purchased by people to flip and dump the day they get them right yeah so the we had about 1400 backers i think realistically based off the number of products that i've seen that are specific for playing that were in all these orders i think about half of them were legit that really wanted to get into cryptic that liked the game wanted to give it a shot right so we're starting with 700 there's 8500 booster boxes so I'll just say my take on it and the way it went down for us. And I think the proof is kind of in the pudding with like the current market price of the box. So what the the element that they're missing is that when the Kickstarter ends and you go to print your product, for us, it took about what, five months to get the product to market, which was on time. A long time. I want you to know that. I was, I was sweating it. I was like, you know, it's forever. Other other podcasts don't care if your product is delayed for 20 years. I do. I'll be honest yeah. with you. But congratulations for too. it being on time. Yep. Not yes. only on time, but when it yep. delivered, it delivered up to the expectations that mm-hmm. people actually Absolutely. thought exactly. it was going to be. Yeah. It wasn't just, yeah. you know, half-assed. So, yeah. well, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tanner. I will say the reason that the box prices stay solid and like even go beyond what they were initially is that the demand for the game has increased because me and my team have been doing our job. So we've had five months to take the current existing demand, which to be fair is actually lower than people would necessarily think in the beginning. It's our job to take it to a level where that print run actually makes sense. So we went to all the conventions we could, went to the stores, demoed the game, ran a TTS tournament every month. And a lot of those players ended up becoming elite players that now play in our in-person tournaments. And we did everything we could in our power with our budget and the amount of time we had to increase the actual real demand for cryptic. Yeah. And that's why the boxes are where they're at and why they're going to get continue to get harder to get. And I have none left. The so, hard numbers, like you said before, are important. Those mm-hmm. hard physical numbers, that data of reality, not, yep. not Kickstarter hype is yep. what's super important. So what would you say you've learned after doing the Kickstarter? Like, have you what, learned anything after this Kickstarter that you would go back now and say, man, I wish I would have maybe not done that or added a different product. Yeah. I've got two big takeaways. And for anyone that wants to run a <laughs> Kickstarter, like if it was, if you want to do a TCG or whatever you're trying to do, I'll tell you right now. One is really do your research on stretch goals. Cause that was one thing <laughs> that I fucked up royally in the beginning. 
Because yeah. I thought, and in my mind, that a stretch goal was something you did to extend your funding further past the first 24 hours. What it really is, and whatever you think about it, I'll tell you what it actually is in real life. Yeah. It's rewards for people yeah. day one that are getting into the Kickstarter. And I'm talking like you got to have at least five items that they get in addition to their initial pledge just for being a part of it and for getting you to that level of funding. Beyond that, you can add things, get creative. Like I never imagined we'd raise $500,000. Okay, cool. We'll do something really epic for the $500,000 stretch goal. Yeah. Mine were underwhelming and I got absolutely annihilated for it in my Discord. <laughs> and as soon as I did... I went back to the drawing board, mm. fixed it all up, adjusted everything, said, you guys got this. Now we're doing the comic chapters. And it actually was a good thing because it inspired me to get the printed, the comics printed in time for Kickstarter and everything. So goal, lesson number one, do your research on stretch goals and be very generous with them. Don't be a cheap ass. Uh, <laughs> lesson well, number misunderstandings two. can sometimes lead to some of the coolest discoveries. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah. It's it's that's well, led cool. to us having comics out. Now we have five yeah. chapters of comics yeah. that are all produced that people can read and collect. Yeah. And they're even gradable by CGC. If people didn't know that. Oh, nice. Um, I love and, CGC, by the way, because being a guy who came from uh, cards and coins, that was what my uh, my stepdad used for everything. Mm -hmm. So those are my people. And What's I'll George's say less space. What do you like? BGS. BGS you got to still fill BSA. out the paper shit and send it in. Yeah. Come, Jesus Christ. I think that collectors should get their shit slabbed by whoever they want. But I'll tell yeah, you, there you I go. Get, That's true. when I get my card slabbed, and I'll just say this because it's an actual fact that people know I get them slabbed by CGC. And that's just really? my personal thing. But I don't do high end. I don't do high end okay. Pokemon. I don't yeah. do, if okay. you're going to be yeah, doing for, high end for, stuff, for me to learn. Yeah. That for may me. be a little bit different. I get that, George. Yeah. If you're saying for resale, value and what people are looking at i don't know why bgs well and the other one is, are so popular is, we have fallen very far from tanner's lessons but we the, have i like bgs i remember the other one though becomes <laughs> it comes in a sleeve yeah in the holder and i do like that a lot it's high end it's it's a little more expensive to get them graded there like it's like 15 bucks now they get it now or well just that. well i don't even want to go down there i'm yeah. gonna get <laughs> But, what's your other uh, lesson, Tanner? What's your other lesson, Tanner? <laughs> my other lesson would be way too many skews. I did way too much yeah. random shit as add on. And oh my God, I got to tell you, it made fulfilling these Kickstarters an absolute nightmare. There was like, ultimately, like between the replacements I had to send and the orders that required two boxes and everything, it was like 2,000 boxes that I had to ship that were all had unique items in them. There was no uniformity. And uh, it just, Wow, the amount of time it took was just horrible. So you went full MetaZoo, man. Yeah, I went crazy. Except for That's I had, you know, 1,400 extra. backers and it was wow. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. But um, I love the it was, fanny it was pack, all by like, the way. Yeah, it was like fanny pack, the play mats, it. the different, like the wooden deck box, like all the just cool stuff that I think people ultimately do appreciate having access to. It's just like, how about instead of 20 play mats, we do five or something yeah. like that? Or like, or get you a bundle or be yeah. like, three random play mats yep. um yep. and like what you get is what you get uh yeah. no and yeah. if i ever did another kickstarter it would be like and i'm not saying i would do it for a set but say i did it for like another random cool product that yeah. could exist possibly nice. oh i got some samples in today oh, oh scoopies oh i got some go. stuff <laughs> so the samples i got today will actually be a part of the foil cards that are going to come in the t-shirts that go live this weekend. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. What, what day is that happening for people listening? Friday, Friday oh, evening. Noon. Yeah. Friday. It's going to run for 66 hours, printed demand. Would you look okay. at that? And yep. 
I'm going to do as many shirts as people order, and it's going to come with a foil promo card that is a spoiler for a future product. And you can go to crypticTCG.com to yep. get in on that? That's right. Okay, great. Yeah, because I want to make sure that this episode goes live tomorrow so yeah. that people listening have a chance to get in on that. Well, so. and they're booster packs. They're randomized. So it's like a gigantic booster pack with a shirt in it. It's got 25 different designs you can get. There's rarity tiers. It'll all be listed on there. And, is and it's it, not like you got to hurry and click because it's it's time limited. It's not quantity limited. Are so. they, what, forty four ninety nine? Yeah, exactly. If I remember correctly? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever so shipping I, I is in the US. I definitely want to grab one of those for sure. And international will be calculated. Just because some some places in the world are just so incredibly we've, expensive. To we've all out. made that mistake, oh, Tanner. Lesson number three. <laughs> That's uh, right. Lesson number three. <laughs> it costs way more shipping. to ship to Australia than you think. Yep. <laughs> we have all made that mistake. I will never yep. forget my first order from Australia. It was like, oh, just ship it. How much can it be? Me getting the bill, like, wait a minute. It's more <laughs> than the product sometimes. Oh, by far. Oh, by yeah. far. Oh, no, it's, uh, it's crazy, dude. It's, yeah. Yeah. So I learned that lesson too. That's another print one. to demand is what we were talking about. Me, yeah. Like my experience with cryptic has been, um, I think very telling. I ordered enough product. I thought for um, about six to nine months was my goal. When I ordered, that's my goal. When I order anything, it's not a, it's not a um, deep faith in Tanner and say deep faith in my store. No offense to Tanner, but I was mm -hmm. like, I want enough product to stock six to nine months. And as Tanner saw, I had, rock hard limits on products in my store because if not i was going to sell out on saturday and my mm -hmm. event it was going to be gone i was going to have nothing with the word cryptic in my shelf mm -hmm. i sold more new tcg product three days before the event to the event of this product than any other new tcg i've ever carried people were ravenous for it if I had no limits, I would have, I mean, like, I only would have made it to noon. Yeah. Uh, and I opened the 10. I mean, like, it was, you know, and like people just wanted more boxes. They wanted more cards. They wanted more stuff. Uh, I sold out of binders. There's not even stuff to flip. Nobody's flipping a binder. Are you kidding me? No. Nope. I sold out of fanny packs. I don't, you know, they're not flipping <laughs> the fanny packs. No. Um, no. You know, I have a rule in my store. I'm going to give you a good deal. I'll give you retail pricing, even if it's a hot product. But if I catch you flipping it, I hope you enjoyed it because it's the last product you buy from me. That's mm. the George rule. Yes. It's the, and it's, the, it's yep. the rule that I have held to for every hot release, including crypto. Yep. And so I know these aren't being flipped. Yep. And I still sold out. Or now, George, have a limit. I think it is. I think we do need to qualify people that your LGS is a very different situation from a lot of LGSs, though, because Better. you are you are within the confines of a base you know, yeah. a lot of these people that are buying from your store are getting like, you know, tons of money for their en uh, enlistment bonus and all this type of stuff. How do you think, George and Tanner, both, mm -hmm. when you go to an LGS in Worst Carolina and you well, don't go there That's and stupid. they carry your game, do you think you're going to experience the same type of flying off the shelves excitement that you see at George's store? Because George is a character. Yeah. George has an awesome LGS that he supports. And yep. he's in a really unique financial situation where he's at. So no, I agree. So looking at outside, what what do you think that LGS experience is going to look like? I have some experience in this recently because I've been literally traveling around the country, just going to stores and doing random stuff like learn to plays and stuff, just showing up with product. Yeah, I did one recently in Austin, which to be fair is not a small city, but there was a 
Pokemon tournament going on there and they had about 15 players, right? Like it wasn't a massive store by any means. Sure. And there was some extra people sitting around and I walked into the store owner had heard of it because he backs Kickstarter board games. So he's like, oh yeah, I saw it. Like I always go on there and I get random board games and like I saw it, I didn't back it, whatever. It's like, oh, that's cool. I'd love to show you some stuff. Showed him some booster decks, let him open a Kickstarter pack. He's looking at the art and he was like, dude, this is cool. I really dig this. Like, is it possible you'd be able to sell me a case of Cryptic? And I'm like, yeah, I have some extra from the Kickstarter campaign. And that was all public facing. I told everyone I was going to order extra yep. so yeah. I could hook up yep. stores and stuff. Yep. And I did, uh, I sold him a case and I found random players and were giving them booster decks and stuff. And they were starting to learn. And I noticed they were starting to play each other and like asking me tips, but they basically got it. They were all players. Yeah. And 15 minutes later, I'm running an eight person single elimination tournament. And I told them they could have one of my two player play mats for the prize for the winner. And I'm just running an event in this dude's store. And I'm like, hey, is it cool if we just play over here? And he's like, yeah. And then when they were all done playing, we're sitting there bullshitting. And he comes up to me. He's like, is it possible I can get some more product? Because uh, those six boxes you sold me were already just pre-sold to those players you just created. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I could try to give you some extra, but it's one of those things like. It's natural (laughs) growth. It's natural growth. It's not, it's not forced growth. I have done this for a few games, just so you know. Mm-hmm. I have went to a few stores, not even working for these companies because I mm-hmm. believed in the game, dropping the game off, putting my own money into buying the product, dropping the yep. game off, and basically have been told, get the fuck out. Like, we, yep. we are not interested in this shit. We're a magic shop. Um, yep. we're, we're, we're not listening. So I, I get it. I get what you're having to go through mm. and I'm sure you understand it at a way higher level than I will ever, but I, I want it, you to it know is a bit I, different. I know like, that feeling yeah. and it sucks. So the mm-hmm. fact that you went in there and that's like natural growth that's happening from actual interest, not yep. bullshit internet interest, interest that is formed by you making that personal connection with yep. the store. And that's well, and also super like, important. And like from a financial and business perspective for that store owner, he just purchased these boxes at Kickstarter prices for stores, which is like 90 to hundred dollars a box. And he just sold it to them for $125. And he's like, let me do some quick math. I just made 200 bucks. This I got here 20 minutes ago. Like my players are already interested. Like, why wouldn't I give this game a chance? No brain. You know, just like yeah. might as well give it a shot. I mean, it seems that people are interested and that's just who happened to be in the store that day. And then when I tell him, Hey, to follow that up, let me know when you want to run a tournament and I'll fly down and I'll, I'll come have my guys come. We'll judge it and we'll help you organize it and whatever. So I'll just tell you like your experience with them being like, Hey, get the fuck out of my store. I'll just tell you in general, they don't really have the balls to say that to the creator. Yeah. So they they will hear you out. And by the time I'm done with my pitch or whatever you want to call it, it's more so just like one gamer talking to another about a game. Like it's not really like I'm trying to sell them on this idea that they're going to get rich off cryptic. I'm just like, this is a cool game here. People might like you want to check it out. And that kind of goes into the other thing, which is the van tour, which I want to let George talk really quick, but then I'm going to tell you guys. No, go that. ahead. Cause I, my, I want to go to, I want to go to my tournament. Cause I have some thoughts on my tournament. So go okay. ahead and, and we'll get to that. So the van tour is a concept I came up with that I'm currently working on how I want to execute on it because we're seeking like either sponsorship or a partnership with another company or something where I'm going to get a, uh, like maybe the bone out. zone, get the bone yeah, zone, right? Tour. The bone mobile. The bone mobile <laughs> yes, exactly. there you go. Now you're talking. It's like that whatever bus, something bus. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. It's basically a, a gigantic van with cryptic blasted on it via a wrap and logos. And we go, by we, I mean me. I live in the van. <laughs> and I, 
I go so you're to the like, guy, you're the van down by the river guy. Exactly. Yeah. So I go to three to four stores a week doing exactly what I did at that store, offering them product booster decks and to demo my game, go to three, four stores a week times six months. And just by brute force, we will have the largest indie game player base period. And there's really yeah. no way that you could even fight it. So that's one of my concepts that I have for growing the game and just run that's, the company from my van. That's doing the work. Like yeah. that is putting boots to the ground. Mm -hmm. And not that I haven't seen other TCG creators do this, but that mm -hmm. idea of yeah. what you're doing, uh, that idea of having a van and doing all that, it feels mm -hmm. like, uh, it feels like in like a nineties movie, yep. like let's all get in the van the and go take our band and just let's go to these. I mean, I remember doing that with my brother when he had his mm -hmm. bands, they just like yep. get in their van, load their shit up, stop at a place and go, go for it. Play here tonight. You yeah, know, like van promos and yeah. it'll be a whole thing. Everyone gets it's, stoked and like that's great, like community dude. champions, like what you were just talking about being what I call a community champion, which is somebody that is willing to help push the game without any financial compensation, just because you yeah. believe. If they see me doing it, everyone else is like, dude, if this guy's down for the cause, he's willing to do what we want to do with the game, then we're gonna follow suit. And it's basically like being a good leader, showing Leadership, a good example. It's a top-down yeah. thing. Everywhere I've ever worked, even in this job I'm in now where I'm not a manager, every job mm -hmm. I've ever worked in my entire life, I've been some sort of manager. Mm -hmm. And in this job where I'm not, I still find myself being a manager as far as that leadership role goes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I was just going to say from the top down, man. If they see you doing it, they have no excuse to not go get it. Yep. Like They're going to go get it if they see you doing it. Um and I learned that great. mostly being on the fire department. Like I was the senior fireman at my firehouse yeah. for the last seven years of my career. And if I had rookies or guys that were joining me at the station and I only clean the shitters every other shift, they're going to start only cleaning the shitters every other shift. Yep. You know what I mean? So yep. as long as I stay consistent and do the work, they follow. I mean, it's easy. So um, that's a great segue to this. Mm -hmm. I have hosted major tournaments for basically every successful NDTCG. And I consider success to be ones that aren't on life support. Sure. Um, you know, they all they all know where to turn uh, if they don't want to get off life support. And, um, yeah. you know, and your tournament, and I mean this, is the only one that I felt I could just show up and you would take care of the hard part. It was mm -hmm. kind of backfired on me this time, if I'm being honest, because I did not know that. So mm -hmm. I still did what I normally do. So we both just did a lot, mm -hmm. um, which I, I would not have done if I'm being candid with you, Tanner. Uh, mm -hmm. I would have let you carry it. But I do want to say, like, and I'm not, like, no BS. Yours is the only one that you were like, hey, I'm coming. I'm bringing the jug. I'm, you know, this is a, uh, this is a competition in a box, right? Yep. You're, you know. Tell me where to get a hotel room. Tell me where, tell me where your store is. I'm showing up with everything you need to run the tournament. I'll get you your prize boxes. You're ready to go with this. Just sit back, relax, and bring the players. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No other game has ever done that for me. Nope. I have hosted major tournaments for all of them. Mm-hmm. Like you and your team deserve an absolute ton of credit. And then you stayed an extra day because players wanted to learn how to draft cryptic the next day. Mm -hmm. You could not have handled that any better. And I want you to know like, it did not go unnoticed by me at all. 
Very cool. I appreciated it. And I think, frankly, like any store who's on the fence of should I host a cryptic tournament? The answer is yes, because it's the easiest damn tournament you'll ever host. <laughs> like, and, like, and to circle like, back around, Tanner, you you said your job as a firefighter wasn't a job, it's a career. Mm. You're, you're treating cryptic as a career. Yep. You're not treating it as a job. And I think George would agree that some of these other TCG companies treat it as a job. I got to show yep. up and do my job. But yep. it, that's not what it should be. It should be passionate love and you're staying there for as long as you need to to make sure that you know things are taken care of in that store for mm -hmm. that store owner and its play groups well it has to be because if uh indie creator wants to treat it like a job during this type of market and the way things are right now yeah it's not going to be their job for very long yeah no it's one of the dog sounds pissed like, george what it's the hell absolutely you miserable. say hi to ollie everybody <laughs> You can tell my wife. There he is, hey, buddy. You got a Frenchie? <laughs> I got a real bulldog and a French bulldog. Nice. The French bulldog is the worst trained dog you'll ever find in your life. <laughs> That's you. That's you. Hey, hi. Well, listen, this little segue with your dog, I'm going to sneak in two questions before we go here. Mm -hmm. And these were community questions that I think are going to be uh, really important to some people. And people like me are not going to care about the other question at all. So it's sure. even more important to ask this. Um, I'll care about both. How will set rotation work? This is the one that everyone's oh, going to care God. about. How will mm -hmm. set rotation work? Oh, Currently, we don't intend to have set rotation. Okay, there you go. And if it, if it gets to the point where I think it's going to be super detrimental to the game, and I'm talking like six sets, eight sets, 10 sets yeah. in, it will be my intent and plan for it would be that if we absolutely had to do a set rotation, that it would be one set at a time. I've Not always like been a fan of revisiting set rotations mm -hmm. and never putting a plan in place from the beginning. I've yep. always been a person who's thought right. we'll, we'll cross that. That's one of the things in a TCG that in my opinion, you can safely cross that bridge when mm -hmm. you get there, as long yep. as you're doing the play testing and the planning ahead of time. And yep. you know what, you know, the cards you're printing, you're going to have errors. I know you've already had a few cards that had to be, uh, I can't the word right now. Yeah. Errata. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, that, that stuff's going to happen as long as it doesn't become a constant thing. That's the yep. only time it becomes a problem. But I think the way you're handling set rotation is that's fantastic. The question I don't give a shit about, but a lot of people are going to care about is uh, a digital client. Are you working on your own digital client for the game? You are you Tanner? Are you Tanner? You don't care? Well, I okay. Ooh. Let me just say, here's why Ooh. I don't care. I am an old school player, casual player. Mm. I play TCGs at the kitchen table. Shut up, George. I play TCGs at the kitchen table when my friends are in town, when I have time with my wife so, and we're not taking care of the kids. Right. A digital client has never now let me finish, George. A digital uh -huh. client has uh -huh. never been something I have enjoyed. So sure. make it Let's happen, Tanner, and I will I will play it. So yeah. this. Me and so he has a great interface for online. Mm -hmm. And I call you up, Jordan. I'm like, hey Jordan, hop on. I want to destroy your life in yes. You you wouldn't be like, hell yeah, let's roll. I will if it has a good interface. That was my end point right there. Was if it if it is playable and fun. Yeah, I will do it. But I have yet to find a single online client for any game that I have enjoyed and had that kitchen table feeling with. 
Well, I don't know that that's necessarily possible, to be honest with you, but I feel that a digital client is absolutely necessary for the health and longevity of the game. And There's I appreciate no way. you being honest because I think it is too, Tanner. Yeah. I just don't like it. I'm the small yeah. minority. I just don't like it. Well, but there's just no way a game survives without it. Yeah. Right now, like you've got to, you've got to at least have a plan for it. But I do have a little clip that was sent to me by the developers. So just like a little background on our digital game. I started putting money into this. A part of that hundred thousand dollars I put into the Kickstarter was about thirty thousand I had already spent on developing the digital game. Oh wow! So okay, we've been developing it since um, April ish. It's very complicated. Rules and card interactions are not easy to program. Right, yeah, and I can only imagine. There's two people working on it. It's built in Unreal Engine five, so they're using oh, the cool. latest tech. And I don't know if this is going to come up super well, but I think it should be fine. Let me just show you on my phone here. Yeah, and I you should... can always send me the clip too later oh, if you okay. want. No, you can see it right there. Yeah. So he's tapping that, engaging it yeah. for blue, playing Wyland from the hand. That's he's exactly what that. he's utilizing. That continue, Tanner. Yeah. yeah. So that will that will basically <laughs> what be what the digital game looks like. That so let looks... me ask you a dumb question. Will that be able to? interface with the uh tournament software and the user software. that's not a dumb question that's the great tournament. i know yeah yeah the developers oh, okay. that's good to know. are already aware of the situation and they're going to pull from a single database for account information which would include points for participation victory etc so they'll be able to get physical rewards based on their performance each season so this will be like pc and app based i'm guessing <laughs> yep so Back ios PC google play store and P pc via steam okay now, I will say the one game that I did play digitally that I enjoyed for a little bit was Hearthstone, but it got too simplistic. Mm -hmm. um, so it turned me off after it got real simplistic for me. And then I played the <laughs> Magic digital client when they released, uh, what was it, Magic 2010? Was that when they... Oh, like MGGO. No, like it wouldn't you... have been Magic 2010. 2019? MTGO is awful. MTGO was pretty bad. No, but, it was yeah. like it was like magic in the app store where you were just playing oh, against the are you arena. Yeah. Not even yeah, arena, arena, George. It was before that. You could just buy like like when I think it was Corset 2019. Like when one of those sets came out, it was just you could buy like a standalone version of what arena is now. This is where they got their idea for arena. And you could just literally, I could have my tablet and I'm like, cast that card, do this. That was easy to use. And I found nothing like that since. So Tanner, if, if, if what you're saying from what you've shown me is, is similar to that, I could see myself getting on and playing a digital game. Well, I yeah. cannot see myself playing TTS or something like that. I sure. just, I no. can't. No. TTS is a bit clunky. Our, our mod's very good because it has like snap points and automated buttons and stuff. But I'll say, yeah. like, if you just think about the way our game works fundamentally with the resource system and the lack of tokens and dice, et cetera, yeah. Yeah. it really lends itself to be a digital game. Because... And that's the part that I kind of beat you guys up about in the mm -hmm. comments one time with Louis mm -hmm. was I said, because he, he, well, Louis framed that as the big, and George, you even argued with him on, on maybe with you, because he framed that as like the very important part of Cryptic. And mm -hmm. to me, I, that was a terrible take. Uh, sorry, Louis, I love you. But that was a terrible take because I'm like, that doesn't get me to play a TCG. Like, I don't care. I like having a play mat. Like, I mm -hmm. like having that stuff. But I get what you're saying, Tanner, because if it's like a tournament deck, if if that would have been sold to me by Louis as this is a tournament deck type of thing or jumpstart type of thing, then I get it immediately. I get what you're saying when you said, take it to a bar, take it to a restaurant, 
pull it out. Me and my wife go to coffee shops all the time. Mm -hmm. This is the game we look for at a coffee shop to play. We could sit down and just have an hour alone without the kids, play a game and have some coffee. And, and that's exactly what, uh, what I think, um, Louie was trying to get at is that you Mm -hmm. can just have this, this real fun, raw experience without all that stuff. Yeah. It's got like a play anywhere vibe to it. And that trickles over to everything. So like even earlier, when we were talking about the draft, when the app, so the app is going to be the organized play app, not the digital client, but the organized play app is going to be in beta in like a week. So for our next tournament in Texas, we're going to be using our own software for the tournament. Nice. So we're going to be showing that All right. Make sure you tell them then that that does not count when it comes to player counts. They have all these advantages that earlier stores did not. Whatever. Whatever. You're just going to have to lower your ego a little bit, George. Then it'll be an open beta in January. But now, what Tanner, I'm saying is like the dream would be that it's all on the phone or desktop. It has a web client. Yeah. So a store owner would be able to go to their app and literally it uses their location and it knows they're the store owner. So all they have to do is click create event, draft number of players. And then yeah. the players all check in right there. They pay at the cash register, whatever system they want to use to collect payment. And then the players do everything from there. The store owner is done. And if it's a draft, all the store owner had to do was go walk over there and put the box on the table. And, and then from there, the players simplified. just go. It should mm-hmm. be simplified like that, Tanner. It really should. Like like I, what George said, I, I, there's a certain amount of running around he should be doing at his LG, at LGS, and that mm-hmm. LGS running around should be getting people to buy the product, um, yep. helping them purchase or getting them sent to the register. It shouldn't be running the event with you for you. Um, so yeah, the other thing with organized play before we go, cause I realize we're way past our time, but I'm really glad because we've talked about some awesome things and I feel like I've got to know you as a person a lot better through this, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one thing that the community asked me that, uh, let me see here. What, what specifics can you share about organized play, which you did, but mm-hmm. prize support, uh, future prize support. That's you, yep. you answered everything that people want to know about organized play, except that. So do you have armory kits or something like like flesh and blood does in in uh the works something that you plan on delivering to stores yeah and what's great is since we will have that app and all participating stores will have accounts on that app i can easily keep track of the amount of events they're running the amount of players they have so i can give them the appropriate price support based on those actual like hard data that real number right so we're basically and george knows i'm kind of like known for saying this but like when i copy an idea I don't try to front and act like I don't copy an idea. You know what I mean? So we're essentially copying the armory kits. We're calling them cryptic crates with a K. Nice. And what it's going to be in the way I want to expand on it and make it like more suited for us is they're going to be play mats for the winner that have a scene from cryptic Island and a specific piece of lore with like a little lore sheet that tells you what's going on. And the prize promo cards will be cut from that image. So if it features certain citizens, the prize promos will be the citizens featured on that mat. So it'll be like a cool lore thing. It's flavorful and gives you all the prizing you need. Tell them about the champion, Matt, Tanner. The one that was in the event kit? Yeah. So there was 200 event kits made for Kickstarter, and that was based on just the number of stores that backed and what they ordered. So it came with 16 booster decks, uh, how to play manual, prize promos for first through fourth, and uh, champion play mat. So you have everything you need in a 4 by 4 by 14 box, which is the same dimensions that the crates are going to be. That you can run a 16 person tournament with just that one box with just one and thing it's, That's and it's awesome. all in so if you were to do an event kit tournament that would be an option on the app where the store owner would be like 
Van Kid tournament, start, the players would check in, and then they res- they put their results into the app directly. And based on that, each round they get pairings and eventually you get standings and then you pair down to top eight, depending on what type of tournament it is. So and I will say, we had players who had, who played a, a, a different TCG at my store a little while ago, and mm-hmm. they asked me to start doing cryptic tournaments now instead. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, the big tell for me was they asked me to do two a week, one on a weeknight, one on a weekend. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Cause that's, I have my normies, my non-based people on weekdays normally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so like they're like, I'm gonna take time out of my work week, out of my family time to come into your store and play cryptic. I'm mm-hmm. gonna do a tournament. And like that to me was very telling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have no doubt the prize support will be amazing. Um, but listen, I think like the biggest selling point is people just want to play cryptic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I that's was what jealous. matters, right? Like I was jealous of the play mats, George, that you had and Angie, well, my wife. I know you I know, I know you got a box coming to you. I wonder. I wonder. I, oh, I would love it. Oh, um, I Angie, wonder. My wife was super excited about it as well. She goes, yeah. I really wish that we lived closer to George, you know, George's store, so that we had a group that we could go play with like that. Like mm-hmm. it 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 felt like his store is really special in that way. Like all those guys yeah. are real close. And um it it felt like a really cool thing that would it would have been cool to be a part of. So for uh, sure. I'm glad it went off great for you, George. That's awesome. Yeah. No, well, people like, are hyped. Good. Yeah. And like what you're saying is like, I don't have to be like the sleazy car salesman. I can just go say the truth about the product, show them the truth about the product and the rest just follows because they know I'm going to follow through because everything I say I'm going to do, I'm, I do. Which so, is what's important to follow yeah. through. Um, yeah. you, George, can't go ahead before... pe- you can't bribe people to nope. like your game. You can you bribe to play your game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is something that's, that's different. True. You know, you can bribe them once yeah, or once a year with like, massive cash prizing, but to have consistent, you know what I'm saying? Player yes. base, you have to do something that they like for real. Like, you know, I, they did, you know, the players that asked me to do the tournaments had no idea that a cryptic crate was coming. Mm-hmm. That's not why they asked me. Yeah. They didn't look at the price of the cards when they asked me. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked me because they wanted to play cryptic. And yeah. again, like you, that is something you cannot buy. You cannot put anything in a crate that's worth more than that endorsement. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's like, a good way to put it. You know, people want to play. And that's, and that, that's and all. That, that leads to other things. Like a, a couple of your players came up to me and were like, yeah, I built this deck for the tournament with just like inexpensive cards that I could get from the bulk bin or whatever. And then yeah. they're over there opening boxes and doing trades and buying cards to foil out their decks. So to the take, one kid with the all foil deck to take, that's me, to be honest, but <laughs> to take your deck to that next level or to want to collect cooler mm. versions of your favorite cards, that has to be something that's actually into your game. And that's what drives the market for singles, which drives the market for boxes, which allows stores to actually make money selling your game. So it's all tied together. It's yeah, all related. Like everything has to be in place for it to work. I can't yep. wait to see the card quality because I know mm-hmm. you print at Cardston, which is where Genesis mm-hmm. prints as well. So yep. I'm really interested to see the quality of your cards in comparison. Yep. And I was already, I really liked the cards in the, um, in the random booster deck. Yep. They, I know that those were printed in the USA. They felt mm-hmm. a little more plasticized, like playing mm-hmm. cards. So I'm not expecting that, but mm-hmm. I'm still expecting good quality. So I'm going if... to do a box opening with my review of the product itself, um, yep. which once the boxes get here, probably Thursday I'll film it and have it up next week. So for those interested, that'll be on my channel, so, uh, Scheming Skeleton YouTube. Um, 
but I yeah. know there was a mapping issue, but if there a mapping issue had not existed, you could have absolutely convinced me these cards were printed at Carta Monday. Absolutely could have convinced me. Yeah. yeah. So when you told me that, George, that's why I not only was I wanting I opened those random booster packs and I immediately wanted the box. So you did yeah. your job there. Uh there you go. But um, but I really wanted to compare card quality between mm -hmm. the two. Um, so that'll be a great way for me to do that on camera and show people um, you know, that this is this is what the different printers do. Uh, and this is what or different card games that the printers do. And mm -hmm. this is this is what mm -hmm. we got. Um before we go, if there's anything else you guys want to get in, just let me know. Um, but I, I wanted the thing I want to end on is my favorite thing, which is the lore. You yep. said that the lore of uh, cryptic is something that you started writing uh, and, and you were going to turn it into comic books. So mm -hmm. I guess kind of play us out with a little quick short story of the lore. What what can people expect to see when they play your game? So essentially the premise of the story is that they're in one physical location. It's called cryptic Island and the overseers, which is the cloak figure you find on the card back, they're in control and they're the bosses of this Island. And they can take certain sections and certain citizens from different planets in this universe and snatch them and put them onto cryptic Island. So like the way I like to describe it's like a world quilt. So they take the human faction, including their castle and the halls of Ivy, which is where they keep their sacred text. They place them on cryptic Island. Then they take the undead. So Wolfric and Pluto and all the boys, and they take them and they take the garden, which is the area where things are reanimated on their native world. So they put that on a cryptic Island. So the citizens are interacting and they have 66 years before they face judgment. They don't age on the Island. So how you show up is how you leave. And if you get killed, through like organic means, like, you know, getting your head chopped off or something, you die, you lose. If you make it to the end, you face judgment. So you're judged by the overseers and you either ascend into overseer status, which we haven't really gone into what that means exactly yet, or you just stay dead forever. So basically the story is, is like love stories, power struggles, typical things that you would expect in a place full of people that are from different places, cultural differences, the way they fight, the way they love, the way they do everything is different. And it's their interactions and their journeys to judgment. So like, so it sounds very similar to like a Shao Kahn and Mortal Kombat nether realm type thing where all these people are being drawn to this place to battle does, each other. It's like Mortal Kombat have lore. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not what? Not deep you just lore. Stop it. Not deep lore, but yeah, yeah just, they, it has lore. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they take people from different places and they are in a tournament and yeah. Yeah. So oh, this is, this okay. is different. <laughs> In that, yeah, that's, that's about it. That. Lore, that's the video game. I, I know, but it's 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 the it's the basic idea of some guy gathering mm -hmm. different groups together and making them fight. So yeah, yeah. well, and um, the the thing is, it's funny you say that because like it really isn't about them fighting. So they don't oh, okay. know they don't know what leads to a positive result in gotcha. their judgment. So when they go there, they could have been the most helpful, friendly person on the island. And they don't ascend or gotcha. they could go there and be the most ruthless, brutal warlord, king of the humans, kill everyone. They don't ascend. So they're learning as they go what they think is right. And some of them are trying to play into that and satisfy the overseers and maybe not the best move. And some of them are just living their truths and being themselves. So, so three, we'll see. three quick fire lore questions. Mm. The overseer, is he the only one that can understand the riddle, uh, riddle text? The overseers are a group of people. Oh, they're group, of a citizens. group of people. Okay. Yeah. So can they're, they, are they the only ones that understand this riddle text or is that not something you can talk about? That's not something I can talk about. Okay. Come um, on, Jordan. 
11 year reform. what what is the 11 year and 66 thing what explain why those numbers are important this game like you like dark spooky stuff right yeah me too so yeah. this this started with a theme of sixes like six 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 gotcha. and the original plan believe it or not when i thought this was going to be more of like a cool like extra hobby piece in addition to the comic books is like i'll print exactly 666 boxes <laughs> or on a kickstarter it'll be sick and i always had that that number in mind so they get 66 years to live but in the lore, a judgment occurs every 11 years on the island. Gotcha. So they come in waves and the citizens are placed there at different times. And then when new factions are introduced, that's when they start their clock. So there's judgments every 11 years. So those cards in the game, your life total actually represent that. Awesome. And basically a game of cryptic is that you're, you're not an overseer. You are a citizen and those are your allied citizens. And that's how much time you have to face judgment. And if you're able to take your opponent's time away from them before they take your time, you're judged favorably and you ascend into overseer status. That's the flavor of each individual game. Well, that was like a perfect way to encapsulate mm -hmm. the lore. Like, I mean, that was straightforward. And George, I'm sure you're glad I asked that question because now if someone says something about the lore, you mm -hmm. actually have a selling point. So all I'll, two people that yeah, want to know like, about here's the, the bone zone. Yeah. <laughs> you can read the comics. They're on the website yeah. as PDFs, totally free. Already downloaded. You can buy the compete sport. What are you doing? Tanner, top. Do you sell them there? You have hey, them you know, store? Hey, I'll cannibalize my, my own stuff right now, George. You can also play my game 100% free. You can print the cards off my website. What the hell's going on here? Yes. That's out. what we want to hear. So wait, I'm out. print to play. Mm -hmm. Let me let me get this straight for the people listening. Yep. Print to play on cryptictcg.com if you want to yep. try it. All right. Just and the comic books on PDF, which I've already downloaded. Yep. So, All free. Awesome. Go nuts. You can awesome. enjoy my game one without ever spending a penny. Yeah, I'm already in debt to George right now, and he refuses to send me a bill for what That's I owe him. True. Um, so, so yeah, I'll get the freebies while I can take them. Smart. Uh, well, listen, guys, uh, George, as always, you know, my my fellow co-host, my friend, thank you so much for thank you for saying, hey, get Tanner on here. You're gonna like the dude. You're gonna like the game. Thank you for sending me the stuff to check the game out physically. Um, yeah. And Tanner, thank you so much for even wanting to do this. I, I know mm -hmm. you're on, you know, kind of a press junket thing with your game where you want to mm -hmm. talk to everyone. Is that uh, true? I mean, it's not a press junket, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Good. I will be soon. You're talking <laughs> to people mm -hmm. about the game and to, I, I'm a small content creator. I don't have mm -hmm. this massive following, but I like to think that I know what I'm talking about. And I, I've been playing magic for a long time and I've always been into TCGs and I love talking to all the different creators and finding out what makes mm -hmm. your game tick? What makes your game mm -hmm. special? So um, thank you for for having the time to come on here and, and talk with us about it. So you got it. No go problem. Cryptic TCG from Warrenfo. Go to Cavdane's Market for all your singles needs. Only yes. Help our friend Louie out. Yes. Man. Only singles for Cryptic, not singles ladies. That's a different website. It's just Cavdane's. It's actually good. Like if they need singles for decks. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I'll put all the information that we've talked about, different links and such mm -hmm. in the show notes, as well as the uh, YouTube uh, description. So, um, George, Tanner, thank you so much for being here. And mm -hmm. uh, we will see everyone on the next Bone Zone. Take care. All right. See you Bye, guys. everybody. Thank you all.